First and foremost, I would like to check with you, what are your thoughts on, on the recent Parliament decision to expropriate land without compensation, which still, of course, need to go through some processes? Well, you know, I think we must first uh, look at the impact or, the, well, firstly, the narrative. What is this narrative about? Um, you know, uh, before we can ask the question or look at the question of uh, the merits of this. The, the issue of the land has always been with us. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it, 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 it defines the whole, uh, the, it defines us as a nation. Uh, it, it, it points to all the things that, have, uh, that we've inherited and also the, the complexities of what uh, what a modern South African society uh, uh, is or should be, and you know we went into the um, to the struggle and 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 the new South African constitution or the agreement in nineteen in the nineteen nineties about the nature of our society and and part of that agreement was the issue of land and and restitution the issue of restitution and we embedded that into the constitution in ways that uh, didn't solve the problem it it was like a band-aid firstly you know uh, the, the issue of what they call the native reserve, the, the areas that were defined by the 1910-1913 Act, um, where parts of the land were set aside, land that was conquest, conquered was set aside for Africans. And then secondly, land that people, colored and Indian people, um, Occupied was uh, also, uh, you know, uh, uh, expropriated, and and on the basis of this, a South African state was created. Uh, so that issue of we we're not looking at that issue at the moment. We're just talking in very broad terms uh, on the on the question of restitution, uh, return of the land. Mm-hmm. When we talk about yeah. the restitution or the return of the land, are we talking about 1913, or do we go back from the beginning when Jan van Riebeck landed here on the continent? Well, <laughs> that's part of the, the problem, uh, because when we talk about restitution, when we did talk about restitution, we talked about it in terms of the 1910 the, the formation of union and then the, the passing of the Land Act and all the other acts. Um, but now people uh, are, are saying, no, we have to go back to the issue of land right from the 1600s uh, because there are, there are sections of, the, uh, of, of our society which says, no, you know, we, we define ourselves in terms of being the first nation and land belongs to us or 
you know, sections of South Africa belong to us. So <laughs> the, the issue becomes very complex. Uh, but for no, the, the, the most important thing here is that Mr. Butcher, Mr. Butcher, Mr. Butcher, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. Uh, We're going to take the weather and we're going to speak to you just after seven o'clock because we're going to take the weather and the news and we'll be right back with you. That's Omar Butcher. Of course, he's the CEO of South African History Online. He's also a cultural activist, artist, documentary photographer and public historian. One question dating back not just to 1913, but even to uh, 1652. Yeah, well, you know, let's accept that you know, you know, up the white minority rule, uh, colonialism, uh, at the heart of which is the the conquest of uh, well, not only Southern Africa but you know, whole of Africa and large parts of the world, and and in its way it has left an enormous amount of uh, issues related to restitution. What is, I think, important in this debate is that this, it, we've had a process that was set out in the agreement and in our constitution as to how to go about addressing the issue of restitution. What is important now is why is it being, uh, being articulated in this particular way at the, the debate at the moment why is the debate taking this form at the moment? Is it because the African National Congress is now uh, feeling the heat of its uh, policies uh, and, and its failures and want to re-establish its hegemony uh, uh, as we move towards 2019? So... The debate was started by the EFF in, in, in a very dramatic way and, 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 and quite correctly, but uh, the, the solutions that are coming out are very vague and, 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 and then creates a problem mm-hmm. because you can't in history uh, address huge issues like this uh, by just a resolution that is vague, uh, and, and, and a policy that actually uh, uh, contradicts what uh, the ANC conferences have over the years passed. So what is, you know, so what we are faced now with is a great deal of disquiet, great deal of confusion and anger uh, arising out of this process, uh, in, uh, arising out of the events of the last month. So, but yes, restitution must happen. Uh, it must also take into account the, the Inguavuma Trust and the demands of so-called traditional leaders. We must also ask who benefits from this uh, uh, question of restitution. Uh, why are we raising expectations when we aren't able to deliver? And what would be the consequences of that? So historic, when as historians would ask those such questions, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, other than the mechanisms. Yes. Mr. Bacha, I, we need a lot more time to talk to you about this, but that's all the time we have for now. That was anti-apartheid cultural activist, artist, documentary photographer, as well as public historian and the CEO of South African History Online, Mr. Omar Bacha, talking to us about the issue of land expropriation without compensation. Now, you also talking to us uh, about this on the Facebook page as well as on the SMS line. Uh, on the Twitter, Kwa Castro Ngobese says, Dignity is a four-letter word, L-A-N-D, land. This one from Ashudu says, Victims and thieves will never find common ground. Those who stole the land want to keep it while the dispossessed and the disposed want, the dispossessed want it back, and we shall all get it back. Vusi Musi says, No, we don't, or we won't get it back, but the struggle continues. On the SMS line, Joe and Peter Maritzburg says, We have no choice but to find common ground. The historical imbalances must be rectified if there's to be sustainable stability. Paul says, uh, just go back here if I can just click back. It's very slow this morning. The government has already acquired over 4,000 farms, but no mention of many people have been resettled. Take the money to get started on a farm. Only politicians will have the means, so they will get the farm, so claims some poor. While you can keep them coming, let us know what's on your mind in relation to this. It's a, it's a very emotive issue. That is the land issue. We've been talking about this for years. We'd like to get your thoughts on it as well. Now, Continuing this discussion is uh, Pepalani Dube, rather, the Director at the Centre for Constitutional Rights. Uh, Pepalani, a very good morning to you and welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Ms. Dube, talk to us briefly about Section 25 of the Constitution that may be amended to deal with the land issue. Okay. So Section 25 of the Constitution, I think in its current form, is a compromise feature. It's a compromise feature in the sense that it represents the two positions of both the ANC as well as the National Party as they stated their respective positions during the Kodesa negotiations. So in that sense, it does two things. So the first thing that it does is to ensure that there is no arbitrary deprivation of property. And in that sense, I'm not using the term protection of property rights because the Mm. property clause does not protect property rights. It simply ensures that in the event that there's any interference with your property, there's going to be due process. So that's the first thing that it does. And then the second thing that it does is to try and ensure equitable access to resources. So that's where land reform comes in. And then it establishes three types of land reform. So you've got land redistribution, which is where the expropriation without compensation debate is going to be focused. And then there's restitution. And then the third aspect is tenure security. So tenure security just refers to individuals, for example, farm workers who live on somebody else's land but don't have any other um, forms of ownership or people who live in informal settlements and have very insecure tenure and are always at the risk of being um, evicted from where they live. So that in a nutshell is the property uh-huh. clause. Now, will the amending or amending the constitution rather, will, be, will that be the panacea for land restitution and the problems that we face in this country regarding land? 
I'm not too convinced that that is the panacea that's needed to the general malaise regarding land reform, because I think if we consider the current problems that are associated with land reforms, I'm not too sure that they have anything to do with the notion of compensation for expropriation. So if we consider, for example, just the general slow pace of land restitution, I think studies have been done by the University of the Western Cape that show that the claims that were lodged in 1998 are going to take a further 35 years to be settled. And then the claims that were lodged after 2014 are going to take a further 143 years to be settled. And then if we consider redistribution, there have been talks about um, elite capture. There have been problems that have been associated with the power that traditional leaders have over communal um, over communal land dwellers, you know, in the sense that they allow mining to take place on the communal communally held property, often at often against the wishes of the people living in those communities. So these are the kind of problems that are associated with land reform, and I'm not too sure that those problems are directly linked to compensation itself. Now, there's also a view that the motion passed in Parliament seeking to amend the Constitution will create unending constitutional amendments. Why is this an issue, given the fact that the Constitution has been amended several times before? Yes, absolutely. I think we need to be open-minded insofar as we approach amendments to the Constitution. I mean, it's important for constitutions to remain relevant and to remain reliable. And to, so it is important for constitutions to be flexible enough for, their, for, for to be amended whenever the need arises. I think at the moment, studies show that an average constitution only lasts about 17 years. So in that regard, you know, South Africa isn't too far off concerned what other countries do. But of course, at the same time, it's just important that there be that there are proper checks and balances in the way that the Constitution is amended. So we really need to have proper public consultation. We really need to ensure that we are working in the best interests of the, of, of, of the nation and that ultimately at the end of the day, we get the best solutions going forward. The Constitution as it stands in its current state, has it failed perhaps black and indigenous people in this country on land reform specifically? Well, I think there are definite failings regarding land reform, but I wouldn't blame the Constitution itself. I think I would blame policy. I would blame probably policies that are being driven by the governing party. And in that sense, if we consider that as far back as 1998, the governing party took a decision to expropriate or rather to pay compensation for expropriation at market value. This despite the fact that the Constitution does not even talk about market value when one is going to be um, compensating property. In that, the Constitution says you have to consider a number of factors, and those factors include market value. But market value isn't the guiding factor. So, and then if you also consider the fact that there's been a lot of cabinet reshuffles in the in the in the ministry in the Department of Rural Development and Land Reform, so that means that because of which we keep chopping and changing the political heads. We never really follow through with policy cycles. And I think in general, there's just a lot of policy uncertainty regarding land reform. So take, for example, the fact that with land redistribution, we don't even have a regulatory framework that governs land redistribution. And so it just means that 
you know, there are just too many uncertainties regarding how it's going to be carried out. And I think we also don't know exactly how much land the state owns and how much land is in communal ownership. And just break, giving the breakdown of racial um, ownership regarding land, I think the current um, state land audit, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've, I've gone through it, but I think it's problematic in that it conflates state land ownership with that of communal land ownership. So the final figures are a bit skewed. So because of that, we don't really know who owns what. So I think all of these factors just contribute to the impression that land reform isn't working and that it's the fault of the Constitution. Now, there's also been some resistance from some opposition parties regarding amending the Constitution. Uh, Is this unreasonable from their perspective? I'm not too convinced that they're being unreasonable. But of course, on the other hand, I think this gives us an important moment as a nation to consider just the meanings of property and to consider the meanings of land reform. And I think perhaps we tend to be too focused on ownership as the ultimate form of control over property. And I think perhaps this gives us time to consider what works in other countries and what doesn't work and what we can incorporate into South Africa. So take, for example, countries like China, where absolutely no one owns property. Everything is held by the state, but it doesn't have dire effects on their on, 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 on their economy. If we consider, for example, in the United Kingdom, the fact that the land is owned, is, is, is held by the Queen, you know, as part of Crown sovereignty, and that everybody's title is a burden on the underlying Queen's ownership, and yet they have a functioning property rights system, it doesn't affect their economy, banks recognize that kind of ownership. And then if we consider Lesotho as well, you know, the fact that there is no private ownership and the fact that land is held in the form of a lease, but then banks recognize those leases and you can borrow against and rather you, you can raise capital against your lease. So I think these are the kinds of conversations that we need to be having. Maybe we need to rethink the manner in which property rights are considered in South Africa. But even then, we still don't need to change the constitution because the constitution has a very wide perception of property and land ownership. So all of these conversations can still take place within the realm of the constitution without necessarily amending the constitution. Well, the EFF leader, Julius Malema, says it's an absolute imperative that the constitution need to change in order to make this possible. But in, in closing, do you think that we will ever find common ground, though, on the issue of land redress in the country? Well, I think it would help for citizens to have greater faith in the state because I think all of these examples that I've given refer to massive state interference in property ownership. But at the end of the day, it's states that take the best possible decisions in the best interest of their citizens. So there's a high degree of trust between the the, 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 the citizens and the state. Whereas I think with South Africa, I think the last nine years, you know, particularly conversations around state capture mean that there's obviously a lot of distrust. And I think there have been far too many examples of corruption and maladministration, even within the land reform sector, that destroys that trust between the citizen and the state. So I think, you know, in as much as it is important for there to be um, just robust mechanisms to address landlessness, but 
the problem is we simply don't trust the state to do that in our best interest. Mm-hmm. Pepalopi, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. That was Ms. Pepalopi Dube, Director at the Centre for Constitutional Rights, talking to us about the constitutionality of land reform and the motion that was passed in Parliament to expropriate land without compensation.